Hello everyone, my name is Zachary Rodier and welcome to episode 28 of the Quarantine Hockey HQ Podcast. We have a great show for you today. It is just NHL news today. We will get back to podcast next week or in a few weeks, trying to get a lot of podcasts up and then we interviews and then we can start releasing a lot of them. But this is an exciting day. Uh, this is episode 28, like I said. But with our QWHQ score recap episodes, which we had during the Stanley Cup playoffs and, and Stanley Cup qualifiers, this is our 55th total episode of the podcast so far. Just want to thank everyone so much for their support. And some fun facts about this podcast, we have listeners from all across the globe. We are talking about the United States, Canada, South Africa, Ireland, Israel, United Kingdom, Germany, France, and Sweden. So a lot of countries there. Thank you everyone so much for listening and for your support. And we have a ton of people listening across the United States, Ohio, Washington, Oregon, uh, Seattle, Washington, especially Virginia, Massachusetts, Florida, Texas, Michigan, Pennsylvania, California, Nevada, Illinois, Maryland, New York, Tennessee, New Mexico, D.C., Kentucky, Colorado, Arizona, Vermont, a ton of places there in Canada, especially Ontario and Quebec are our big provinces in Canada, and uh, those are our big listeners, and so I want to thank everyone so much for their support, and a big margin of you guys are listening to me on Apple Podcasts. We have some people on Google Podcasts and Spotify as well. If you're listening and don't have your favorite listening platform, um, we're not on your favorite listening platform, let us know on social media. That is Twitter at HockeyHQ Podcast, Instagram and Facebook at Quarantine Hockey HQ. And of course, you can send us a voice message on anchor.fm slash Quarantine Hockey HQ to let us know about that. Our age range is very spread out. We have a lot of great people on listening to this podcast. Once again, thank you everyone so, so much for their support. Please keep spreading this podcast and we appreciate every support we get. But without further ado, let's get into the NHL news. There's been a lot going over the past uh, two weeks since we last had our episode. Will we be? Ha- I'm not sure if we'll be having episodes every two weeks during the office season or if we'll have one every week, but I know we will have an episode next week as well. But without further ado, let's get right into the NHL news for the past two weeks. All right, well, it is now time for NHL news, and these podcast episodes come out on Monday, so this is going to come out on the 16th. I'm recording it Sunday night, which is November 15th, and the last time I recorded was November 1st. So we have a decent amount of signings that we get to talk about uh, when it comes to the NHL. Uh, so this is very exciting. If we go back all the way to November 1st, we have a good amount of signings. The first one we got was on November 2nd. Dominic Kahn of the Edmonton Oilers. He was a UFA and he signed with the Oilers for one year, $975,000. RFA Warren Fogel signed back with the Carolina Hurricanes on a one-year $2.15 million deal. If we skip to November 3rd, just one day after that, 
Anthony Matha. Uh, he was an RFA. He signed with the Detroit Red Wings back with them for four years with a total contract of two point, uh, $22.8 million with an AAV of $5.7 million. Let's talk about that one for a second. Anthony Matha has a good, um, he, he has a bright future ahead of him. That is a great, great contract for him. Um, the Wings have a lot of cap space, so they didn't really need to crunch down the numbers and try and push Mantha that low. So Mantha got the term he probably wanted, and he's probably very excited about that $5.7 million he's getting every single year. Besides uh, Mantha, on November 3rd, Mason Marchment, he's an RFA. He signed one year with the Florida Panthers. Uh, terms of that deal were not disclosed, so we don't know how much money he's making. And the same thing with Curtis Gabriel. He was a UFA. He signed with the San Jose Sharks for one year, but the financial terms were not disclosed. And for him, that's probably great. And for all the players, they probably don't want you to know how much you're making. But for the media and for the listeners, we want to know uh, this information, especially with the cap crunch that thing where things are going on. Now let's go to November 4th, a day after that. Ryan Pulock signed with the New York Islanders. He was an RFA, two years, $5 million per year. That's a nice, very nice contract for the defenseman there. Then RFA, Kristen Jaros. He signed back with the Ottawa Senators one year, $750,000 in total on the cap hit. The defenseman signed a two-year contract named William Lagason. He signed a two-year contract with the Edmonton Oilers, two years, $725,000 um, total. But if he that is for the two years since it's a two-way contract. But if he's in the NHL, the cap hit per year will be $1.45 million. Now, the next signing is a big one for the New York Islanders. They got Ryan Strom, a forward, a very good forward. He's very good, and he has a bright future for the New York Islanders. He's done well with the team so far, and he got the money he wanted. Um, I mean, he could have maybe had $5 million, but he got $4.5 million for two years. Um, but that's a nice contract for him, and I think for both sides, that contract is definitely going to work. UFA Marco Dino, Marco Dano signed with the Winnipeg Jets. He signed there for one year, $700,000. Next one, which is still on November 5th, Vladislav Gavrikov. He signed with the Columbus Blue Jackets. And he was an RFA, three years, $2.8 million. This is a very good deal for the Columbus Blue Jackets. You know, Vladislav Gavrikov, he is the second pair D-man. He plays with David Savard. David Savard, this is his last year on contract for the Blue Jackets. And, you know, he was an RFA. Uh, the Blue Jackets had the hammer and had the upper hand in this situation. So they definitely, um, Gavrikov, I thought, could have got $3 million, maybe 3.5. I, I think he has a very bright future, but he hasn't played a lot in the NHL. So I do think 2.8 million uh, for three years, 2.8 million per year um, for three years straight is going to be a nice contract for him. And that total contract value is $8.4 million. And now the Blue Jackets, their only RFA now is going to be Pierre-Luc Dubois. He is their number one center. Will the Blue Jackets sign him? 
uh, to a good deal. And will he be there in time for training camp? Well, we don't know when training camp's starting yet, but it is a possibility he's not there when training camp starts. But we'll see what happens in that situation. But if we move to November 6, 2020, we see that Mackenzie Weger, he signed with the Florida Panthers. He was an RFA with um, three years, $3.25 million per year with a total cap hit of $9.7 million. That's a nice signing there. And the New York Islanders, they signed... I mean, the New York Rangers, excuse me, they signed Brendan Lemieux. He was an RFA. They signed him for two years. Financial terms were not disclosed. And excuse me, I did just see a correction here. On November 4th, when William Lagesson signed with the Edmonton Oilers, it was two years, uh, $725,000 per year, $1.45 million in total for those two years. So excuse my... Um, mistake on that one but then we move to November 9th and this is an RFA signing Roop Hints he signed with the D- Dallas Stars three years total 3.15 million dollars per year that is a good signing for the Dallas Stars and a good pay up for Hints and this is a three-year contract it will run through the 2022-23 season and this has an average again average annual value of $3.15 million. And the most recent signing happened on November 13th. Michael Haley, he was a UFA. He signed with the Ottawa Senators for $700,000. Now, who's still out there, right? Who is still out there in the free agent market? And to be honest with you, there are still a lot of team players that can be signed. We're talking about Mike Hoffman. And Mike Hoffman was the number one forward when it comes to points throughout the whole season, throughout the whole past last season. And we're still waiting for Mike Hoffman to see where he wants to go. There's still an, a guy named Anthony Duclair out there. You know him if you're an Ottawa Senators fan. He or a Columbus Blue Jackets fan. He started to he had a great season. He was the all-star for the Ottawa Senators this past season. He is still out there. And there is Mike Mikael Granlund. He's still out there as a forward. Uh, he was with the Arizona Coyotes most recently. So there are still a lot of great players out there. And um, don't forget Zidane Chara. He is still an, a UFA. Uh, he has not signed with the Chicago Bla- uh, with the Boston Bruins yet. Will he sign with the Boston Bruins and be, stay their captain? Most likely, but it is not out of the realm of possibility if he signs with another team. But in my opinion, that is very, very unlikely. Now let's get into some other NHL news. Now I was talking about the Columbus Blue Jackets and um, and their signing that they did with Gavrikov. Well, there's other news coming from the Columbus Blue Jackets. Gustav Nyquist, their left winger that they signed in UFA last year, he is out for five to six months following surgery on his shoulder, and he had to repair a labral tear in his left shoulder, and that happened on November 4th. So when is the NHL season going to start? 
that is going to depend on that depends on when Nyquist comes back. So if January 1st is when they start, you know, Nyquist will be out for a good amount of the season. But if they start later than January 1st, then maybe Nyquist will have more of a season. Um, but we got to see what happens to the NHL. And uh, then we'll know how long Gustav Nyquist is actually out for this season. Um, but let's get to some big news. You're probably wondering, Zach, when is the NHL coming back? And that is a very, very good question. And to be honest, we don't have many answers right now. A lot of the things that I'm going to talk about are a lot of speculation, um, but some of them are reports and different things we're hearing from different insiders, whether it's from The Athletic or from Craig Custins or from Frank Valley or Pierre Lebron or Darren Dreger of TSN. Uh, so there's a lot of reports, a lot of possibilities. But the number one thing is, you know, when we saw the Toronto Blue Jays play in Buffalo for the MLB because of the border issue, that the MLB has one Canadian team. The NBA, well, the Raptors may have to do the same thing. But the Raptors are the only Canadian team in the league. But in the NHL, there are seven Canadian teams. You can't move them all to the United States. So the most likely scenario, if the border does not open anytime soon, and you know we're hearing back the vaccines coming soon, so everything is very changeable. But if the NHL wants to start around January 1st, it's very unlikely that the quarantine period and border um, opens between U.S. and Canada. So it's most likely that we will have a Canadian division at the beginning of this season. And obviously, when you have division realignment, you can't change it halfway through the year. So this Canadian division would stay together throughout the whole season. Um, and, you know, that would be crazy. That includes Vancouver, Calgary, Edmonton, Winnipeg, Toronto, Ottawa, and Montreal. That would be a packed division. And, you know, the top th in the playoffs, the top the, the playoffs have 16 teams, the top three in each division come. And then there's two wild cards for the whole conference. So you're talking about three teams guaranteed to get out of that out of that division. You know who who can do that? You basically besides uh, Ottawa with you know they're in a rebuild. Any of those teams could be at the top three. I mean Vancouver can do it. Uh, Calgary can do it. Edmonton can do it. Winnipeg can do it. Montreal, they had a great offseason. They can do it, and so can Toronto. Uh, so, you know, whichever conference is going to, whichever division is going to be part of that uh, Canadian conference uh, could have a tough time in the wild card position. But you're saying now that we're going to have a Canadian division, you're going to have to realign the other three divisions as well and three divisions for the American teams. So what will those look like? Right now, we don't know. And again, we still don't have any confirmation that there will be a Canadian division and a division realignment. But again, if the NHL can't go into to Canada uh, and American teams can't get into Canada, then, you know, we will have to have a Canadian division. But so what will the other divisions look like? 
Uh, I've seen some things on Reddit and um, reports from the Athletic on what those could look like. And the first division would be a more Eastern division. That would include Buffalo, Pittsburgh, Washington, Philadelphia, New Jersey, New York, Rangers, New York Islanders, and the Boston Bruins. Now, that is a total of eight teams. So that's one more than the Canadian division. And that is a pretty packed one as well. I mean, who would be in the top three? I mean, contending for that's Pittsburgh, Washington, Philly, New York, uh, one of the New Yorks, maybe two of the New Yorks, and of course, Boston. So that's going to be a packed division as well if that does come to be. And again, those are just reports and speculation. We don't know if that's actually going to happen. But then you look at what's the next division? It would be called, well, it's called in this article, this more Southern division. That includes the Columbus Blue Jackets, the Detroit Red Wings, the Chicago Blackhawks, the St. Louis Blues, the Nashville Predators, the Carolina Hurricanes, Tampa Bay Lightning, and the Florida Panthers. Now, that is also a very interesting one. Eight teams again. Who could be in that top three? You're talking St. Louis, Carolina, uh, Tampa, Columbus, um, and Nashville. They can all be in that mix. So that will be an exciting one as well. And let's not forget the last speculated division, which would be the Western Division, which includes the three California teams, San Jose, uh, LA, and Anaheim, and Las Vegas, Arizona, the Colorado Avalanche, the Dallas Stars, and the Minnesota Wild. That's also going to be a fun one, but not, you know, the top three. You could just say Vegas, Colorado, Dallas. Uh, that is an easier division, the easiest division, in my opinion. Again, if this does come to fruition, we have no idea if it will or if it in if it does, we'll of course let you know on social media and elsewhere. But what about this season? The just about the only certainty for the 2021 season is that it will not be 82 games like the NHL wanted originally. And the reason for that is A, NBC does cover the NHL. At least this is the last year of the contract right now. And NBC is covering the Olympics in the summer, and they can't cover both at the same time. And also, the NHL wants to start a normal 2021-2022 season when the Seattle Kraken come in. So they don't want this season to go too long to delay the next season as well. There's no concept on the table right now that includes a full-length regular season. There are numerous schedule models ranging from 60 or 62 games to 56 games, all the way down to 48 games, traditionally the minimum required for an accepted length in previous lockout-shortened campaigns. With a shortened season ahead, NHL players are bracing for a possible probation paration of salaries they are already scheduled to be paid just 72% of their stated salary for the 2021 season, with a 20% being paid back to owners for the 2019-2020 season losses, plus a 10% salary deferral. I know that can all get very confusing, but basically, due to escrow and different things like that, the players are actually giving some of their salary back, so they're only 
getting 72% of their salary. But with the shortened season, the the NHL or well the owners say, well, if they're playing a shortened season, we want to play the players less. And the players are saying, well, we signed for this season. We should get all the money we were supposed to get for the season, even though we're going to have less games. So that still has to be figured out. And to date, there's been no proposal tabled from the NHL to the NHLPA and finances were not discussed on the most recent Board of Governors call, but NHLPA members were told to expect and ask for increased salary deferral for next season. Um, so in other news with this, a city to city 2021 uh, schedule would include temporary divisional realignments. So we were talking about in, in past podcasts, are we going to have a situation where there's going to be hybrid hubs, teams come into a hub, into a hub or bubble for two weeks and then leave? Well, the thing that's starting to get a lot of um, interest and more traction is that teams would actually go to uh, another city, just like the MLB and NFL have done. Uh, so there won't be hubs. They'd just be traveling from city to city, but it'd be more on a series basis where if Columbus plays Detroit, they'd play three games in one city, and then they would move on just to limit some travel. Um, but a te- temporary division realignment uh, would include would be included in the city-to-city schedule since uh, American teams cannot go into Canada. So an all-Canadian division, which would have rabid hockey fans, uh, would consider the only gift of the pandemic. Um, But again, you don't know how that division will finish. But teams would be permitted to have fans in the arenas in limited capacities as dictated by local and regional health authorities. So in Florida, if the Florida Panthers and Tampa Bay Lightning want to have fans and the governor and the different city officials allow it, then those teams would be allowed to have fans at a limited capacity. And again, it depends on each local and regional health authorities. That would allow teams to generate marginal gate revenue in the hopes that capacities could expand as the season moves along and a vaccine starts to get spread across the country in the U.S. and Canada. An also big reason teams want to go city to city is there's arenas, not a nationwide arena or Emily arena. People that are paying for their name on an arena and it's not even being used during the season, they're getting mad because they're advertising that they're paying for the name rights of a, an arena and it's not being used. That can get them pretty mad. So if we're going to city to city and all the arenas are being used, those people are going to be happy. Like I said, teams would likely travel to divisional opponents and play short series. So the Canadian division will play amongst themselves. So will the other three divisions until maybe the border opens. Um, But these would be back-to-back games or three games in four nights, uh, kind of like baseball series, if that makes sense. Um, But again, the only certainty is probably that there won't be 82 games. Um, But as COVID cases begin to skyrocket again in Canada and the U.S., the NHL reiterated in the Board of Governors teleconference that the target date remains January 1st, but it has not been written in stone. The clock is ticking for training camps. Uh, They're scheduled to tentatively scheduled to begin in one month's time, uh, probably December 15th, uh, before the the New Year's Day start. 
and players who conducted their own NHLPA executive board teleconference have not been provided a date to report to their respective cities. The only tangible update is the appetite again for teams to open um, in their own home cities instead of hybrid bubbles. And we can see that on the NHL uh, website as well. Uh, they talk about that the season could have home arenas, hub format, and there's a lot of different things that can happen. Bill Daly said, if it is possible to do so, I think our clubs would much prefer to play in their home buildings, even if that means not before fans. Uh, so I think that is the thing that they have to figure out. We have to know exactly what is going um, to happen. But, you know, we'll see what happens with the NHL. I'm, of course, going to continue to cover it here with you guys. And I hope you guys are enjoying this. And if you ever don't understand something I'm talking about, of course, be sure to ask us on social media. Um, but, you know, that is mostly the NHL news so far this week. Um, I'm excited to see what happens in the future. Um, before we do, there is one other news um, the, that um, Travis Green, the coach of the um, Vancouver Canucks, he is interested. Uh, he is hoping for a contract extension to remain the Canucks coach. We'll see where that transpires. And how could I forget a very big news especially for all of our Jersey nerds out there. When I am recording this episode, it is right before the NHL will release their reverse retro jerseys. Now, throughout this whole week, we have had retro jerseys being teased. Every single team in the NHL will get them, uh, and it is expected by the time this podcast is released that the all the jerseys will be released as well. So I can't wait to see what they look like. Um, we've got some teases from everywhere. Some ones to note. Um, I am love the Montreal Canadiens uh, mock-up and tease. It looks like they may, may be getting a blue jersey. Um, that would be pretty, pretty cool. The Buffalo Sabres with a um, two swords uh, crossing between each other. That also looks like a good one uh, from the uh, Atlantic Division. Um, but some other good ones, well, the Central Division, the Colorado Avalanche are prepping for a Quebec Nordiques throwback jersey. This is going to be a Nordiques logo and Nordiques jersey in Colorado Avalanche colors. And the Minnesota Wild are going to have a North Stars retro reverse throwback jersey and the Dallas Stars are going to have a pretty cool one as well so in most cases reverse retro they take a jersey that uh, they're um, retroing but the colors are going to be reversed so it's for example the Columbus Blue Jackets they are throwing back their 2000 jerseys with their old logo and their blue jerseys but it was mainly blue and a little bit of red but since it's a reverse retro, the main color now is going to be red and the secondary color is going to be blue. So the Columbus Blue Jackets are going to get a red jersey in this reverse retro jersey. And of course, the New Jersey Devils are looking to get a green jersey. And we can't forget the Carolina Hurricanes. They're past. Uh, they are going to throw back 
to a Whalers jersey. You can see Pucky the Whale, which was the Whalers mascot. He is on the shoulders of the teasers, and I can't wait to see that jersey. And the Washington Capitals are having a Flying Eagle jersey, which is going to be so much fun to look at and see. The Anaheim Ducks are doing a throwback to one of their most famous jerseys, which is the Mighty Duck. He is flying with his hands up like a real duck wearing a jersey inside a jersey is really cool. And the Arizona Coyotes look like they're going to have a purple jersey. And so are the LA Kings. They are having a purple and gold jersey. And you're probably like, how are the Vegas Golden Knights going to have a reverse retro jersey when they are only three years old? Well, it is quite simple. They are going to be throwing back to a team before them. Uh, so the like I said, the Golden Knights only joined the NHL in 2017, but they are retroing a jersey from 1995, which was the Las Vegas Thunder, which was the first professional hockey team in Las Vegas. And this is going to be a red jersey for the Golden Knights with their secondary logo in the middle. Uh, so this is very exciting. I can't wait to see them all. And of course, I'm hoping to get uh, someone who really loves jerseys on next week in the podcast um, to break them all down for you. Um, but if not, I will let you know my thoughts on them as well. But that is pretty much all of the NHL news. I'm That's all of it now. I, I can't believe I almost forgot uh, these retro jerseys. But this is a very big deal for the NHL for each NHL team to have a fourth jersey, they're going to wear them um, two or three times during the season. And a big drop for 31 teams to get each team to get a new jersey on one day. This is going to be very, very exciting. And of course, we will post them and share them on both of our social, on all of our social pages. But that is all the NHL news there has been for the past two weeks. And I can't wait to recap all the NHL news upcoming this week on next week's podcast. Now it is time for the outro. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Quarantine Hockey HQ podcast. Hope you enjoyed listening to the NHL news over the past two weeks. And again, a lot of things are still up in the air when it comes to the NHL season and the reversed retro jerseys. They're going to look so great. They're coming out very, very soon. So make sure for every NHL news update when we don't have a podcast, um, because we only have a podcast once a week and NHL news comes out seven days a week. So make sure you follow us on social media, on Twitter at HockeyHQPodcast, Instagram and Facebook at QuarantineHockeyHQ. If you'd like to send us a message, anchor.fm slash QuarantineHockeyHQ. I would really, really appreciate it if you could please, um, of course, subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to. Um, but especially please share this on your social media or with your friends that love hockey as well. Um, my name is Zach Rodier. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you next week on Quarantine Hockey HQ. Thanks.